And, you know, just going through his life, you know, he's a novelist for a long time. Uh, there was a time where he wrote he wrote War of the Worlds, which we will cover on Gain of Fiction. It'd be really uh, I, that was a, the plan, probably season two, um, where Orson Welles took his uh, book and and made a radio drama out of it, which is, I always love. I think that's an awesome concept. But like everyone took it literally as there was going to be an alien invasion. And there were like literal riots and like crazy, like end of time stuff in the in the street. But like H.G. Wells was kind of like, hey, damn, my shit's kind of popping. <laughs> like, you know, if it's got that kind of effect. Um, H.G. Wells, like like a like a Steinbeck type of author, switched to nonfiction, um, kind of politics, uh, uh, philosophy, uh, later, he wrote a book called, uh, God, I think it was called uh, Conspiracy. It was Open Conspiracy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, don't have it in front of me right now, but I listened to about an hour of it on audiobook. Uh, pretty on point. Pretty on point for what he was, uh, what he was, a lot of one world government stuff. Um, because at the time, you might be writing him off. You might be based in Red Pill. You might be saying, a socialist. Nah, I'm good. He's, that's Chapo Trap House, HG, HG Wells. Nah. At the time, I'm not going to lie, I probably would have been on his side because uh, just a few years later after his novels come out, you have like uber capitalist stuff that I don't think anybody should be supporting. Stuff like Carnegie, Rockefeller coming in and just monopolizing everything. I don't I don't mind somebody overcorrecting maybe the other way to just as a reaction to like, damn, that shit sucks what these guys are doing, especially to the field of science that he's in. Um, and uh, so he he was definitely like just like a pro labor kind of guy, which, you know, you're talking about pro labor. This is like Suzanne Humphrey's dissolving illusions kind of labor that you're trying to uh, take out of the uh, out of society. But he was a party guy. He was a party animal. Um, he was definitely a, a free love. There was a, a free love movement before the 60s. I mean, there was a kind of a roaring 20s kind of first wave feminist uh, women, you know, the early stages of birth control. Uh, and he ended up uh, um, getting married to a woman that was with him for a lo- like a long time. She was kind of his ride or die. And, but he was kind of like, hey, is it chill if I'd, I'd like do my own thing? But like, you're still my wife. And she's like, I mean, fuck, I guess, you know, so he goes out and he's just he's just tearing it up. He's he's uh, and he's like very public about it. He has like some that become like long term girlfriends. Shocker. Um, One of his encounters that he had was with Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood. And uh, I don't know, I'm do my own little radio drama here. If you uh, hook up with Margaret Sanger, let's say like you just you're at the bar, you know, your little speakeasy or whatever, and you're like oh man that chick looks familiar and then all of a sudden you start flirting a few drinks take her back um you know perhaps you don't use protection you know perhaps just things you know sometimes you forget i don't know what they had back then but perhaps you forgot the big uh steam-powered contraption contraceptive (laughs) that you would use uh and uh then she's like shit like i hope i don't get pregnant i'm like a career woman then hg wells is probably like hey don't you have that that thing that gets that like stops you know, stops that from happening. She's like, oh, yeah, great. You know, he was just a supporter of all that stuff. He was a big hormonal birth control kind of guy, which is funny when you read a book like this, which is a clear warning of uh, genetic modifying or just any any like just altering nature, uh, taking the Darwin, the Darwinian uh, science and just kind of distorting it and trying to insert yourself inside Darwinism. Uh, it's very funny that he was like super into hormonal birth control. He kind of fell for something in real time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think that when, when Margaret Sanger is the one that you're, uh, mm. you're dallying with, then, you know, she's got options. Like you said, do you so. think it was like an ad, uh, like an ad rock uh, 
Kath, uh, was there, was her name? Kath, Kathleen Hanna situation. Maybe. Where he's just clearly being held hostage at <laughs> Margaret Sanger's like, yeah. no, HG, she has the right to choose. And he's like, yeah, I guess so. Desperate for pussy voice, you know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to project too much on HG Wells. There's these guys that like, he's, he's one of those guys that's got like real scholars that like just special, like, what'd you graduate with? Uh, I got a degree in HG Wellsology. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just like one of those just uh, truly accomplished writers and i believe this was a second big novel i, I want to say the time machine was his first one um if i uh if not that of the invisible man i don't they were all within yeah, a, just a couple of years of each other there was like he was just hit after hit after hit yeah um, time machine out of dr moreau then invisible man then right. more of the worlds yeah i mean and you're talking about even a hundred years later people were adapting those like in, the, in, in all of those, I, I don't know if the Invisible Man got uh, adapted, but um, War of the Worlds is a huge movie. Island of Doctor Moreau, which we will get to. Uh, people tried, and yeah. they, uh, the they did do an Invisible Man a couple of years ago, where really? it was like, yeah, it was like uh, the woman had to escape from the Invisible Man, who was her abusive husband, oh. with uh, Elizabeth Moss, I think. In it. Oh God! But, yeah, that was a four-year stretch, also between was, the Time Machine yeah. and and. Uh, or the world's three years crazy wow yeah so you're just like and you don't even at the time you're inventing a genre so you're kind of like are these are, does this slap like you know like what i'm doing um but it does it people did take to it i mean people were like terrified i mean really this is horror if anything like i i don't even know because i don't know that the average american knows what science is at that time like like truly right the average american is probably like yeah there's science i've heard a few like theories maybe that the earth is this shape or whatever but you're kind of just like that just sounds like plain old horror mm -hmm. um you know like it, i i'm just trying to picture myself as like a, a young man in in 1897 reading some hg wells i don't know kind of crazy yeah i mean it reminds me of people saying that like microchips are a magic spell or whatever i think that you've definitely seen that discourse i mean in 1896 or whenever this was then I can only imagine vivisection is the exact same. Oh, Jesus but. Christ, that word, that fucking word. I oh man, we'll get to it. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, so the island of Doctor Moreau. Um, basically, you know, not to go over the whole because the plot is important. I think it's a, it reads well. It's a very good plot, very well paced, well structured book. There's just a but again, kind of theme with 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 this series is kind of like read these books now after what you've gone through the last three years there's some shit that hits kind of hard in it but um it's about this guy edward prendick who uh is like kind of this i don't we don't know why he's on the in the ocean i don't think i think he's just out he's just out on this like kind of with this boat and it get and it i think it's shipwrecked um then he's uh with two other guys there's this like darwinian element already in the book where they, they, it's three guys in this kind of like lifeboat kind of thing going out and they're 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 out in the middle of nowhere and uh in the south pacific and the two guys just die like they're just like falls off smacks against the boat like uh it's that he's by himself very quick uh he's scooped up by another by another uh, uh boat that he just doesn't recognize he wakes up it's just i don't know what's going on and right then and there, I mean, actually, at the beginning, there's an intro from like the character's nephew. I don't know if that's is that in your book as well? It the is, yeah. yeah, at the beginning where he's like, my uncle, we're not sure what happened, but he <laughs> says all this shit happened. And it, and it gives the vibe that it's like a fever dream. Um, and it's a, the, the whole book has just like this crazy fever, feverish quality to it. Did you, did you get that vibe at all? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole thing, he's, I mean, he's confused pretty much the entire book. Yeah. Um, whether it be from just like exhaustion from being on the boat or just, you know, the absurdity of the things that are happening around him, he's kind of spaced, which really made for a good watch when I was stoned as hell watching <laughs> the 96 movie. I had a similar experience. Yeah, it would be really cool to like, that's why. Like Mul- like a Mulholland Drive type movie would be, I think, the only way you'd be able to adapt this book. Like just this like confused person throughout the movie, altered reality. You're not sure what's real, what's not like rather than just a f- straightforward fantasy thriller that they that they try to make. But uh, Prendick is 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 scooped up um, and he's and his life is essentially saved because he, he's out on the water for days and he's like he's tripping. He like can't even call for help. His voice is so dry. Um, but he's scooped up by a guy named Montgomery who's got some medical expertise. He's I mean, he's saving him. He, he's sensing some tough vibes on the boat, but it's like, look, it's either this or death. Right. So at that point, death doesn't sound so appetizing to him. That would change later in the book. But uh, Montgomery gives him this thing, which is like blood, essentially. And he's like, hey, drink this. And he's just he after a couple of days, he, he pops back up. But he keeps hearing these weird noises on the boat. Just weird, weird noises, animal like, but not but not quite not quite like any animal you've ever heard. Uh, and uh, then, you know, like I said, he he's he meets uh, I believe it's M- Maling is who it ends up uh, being is, is uh, Montgomery's little like assistant. Uh, who's definitely not a human being. That's what Prendix decided. Like, that's not a human being. His eyes are glowing. I really love the glowing eyes uh, aspect of the all throughout this book. And what Wells does a lot in, uh, and he never, never uh, strays from this, which I actually like, is he always reminds you with an adjective before the thing, like if, if it's hyena man or something, but it's always horrendous at the beginning or horrible, revolting, mm-hmm. disgusting. Like, you know, it, like, you'd think some authors were halfway through the book would be like, all right, you remember the hyena guy. Like, I don't have to describe him for you. No, he describes him for you every single time that you encounter him. Like it's, it's such a shock of what you're looking at and you're not quite sure if it's real or you're imagining it because after days and days and days at shipwreck, you might think you've seen something that's like, Oh, there's a, a, a weird simian hybrid man, you know? And, uh, Everybody seems to hate him too. The the create the creature like it's like the, it's creature that you're not sure what it is, but everyone hates him except for really Montgomery. But Montgomery's aware that like yeah, this thing's kind of fucking gross, dude. You mm-hmm. know? I think they, from the beginning they're calling him the black face man. Yeah, which is also kind of funny. It's what, it's what they used to call me in college, but no, uh, <laughs> n- no, there's no pictures. But uh, no, the uh, um, the ship the the they get to an island, but he can't, and they keep seeing these these wild animals like pumas um that are stowed away in cargo and these really unethical and this is on like 1897 unethical treatment of animals this this is being pointed out this is not like i mean you know look i would disagree that we treat animals better now but uh back then if somebody's like god that's fucked up to like an animal in 1897 when the average human could slaughter something uh with their you know and, and didn't quite see animals as uh anywhere near human or barely even domesticated them i could see how horrible in your in your head you have to see how like gross and like they said the deck was just full of shit everywhere and just like mm-hmm. just this odd gross smell everywhere it's really really visceral uh from the beginning and you're kind of thinking like man again this is the first of like a genre or one of the first couple novels in a genre and not to say people weren't writing like really gross visceral stuff like 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 his friend or at the time friend joseph conrad up until this book actually Hmm. uh joseph conrad and hg wells were friends but the dr moreau character 
um, which I haven't read Heart of Darkness yet. I will later this year. You'll be back on for that uh, later. Mm-hmm. But apparently Colonel Kurtz, H.G. Uh, Wells read the Colonel Kurtz character and was like, fuck, dude, that's my shit. That's Dr. Moreau. Hmm. So they had kind of a falling out, which it, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It is. Fun. I wouldn't say that they're like exactly the same, but Marlon Brando played both of them, which is pretty funny. That, but there's so many synchronicities between that really? and those two movies. No, like I watched that documentary about the movie, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll save those for later. But it's amazing. Right. Um, kind of crazy how it's like it seemed like there's a weird aura about this story that I don't think anybody's allowed to touch it. Just in the same way, you're not supposed to alter humanity. Like it's this weird thing. Like you just like don't try to adapt it because you, you're going to ruin yourself. <laughs> um, it's very strange. So. Um, all of a sudden the captain's like, dude, I'm, I'm not bringing you, we're going to this Island, but like, you're getting off too to Prendick and Prendick's like, what the fuck, dude, what the hell is this Island, man? And he like, he sees like more of these creatures at the Island. He resists. He's like, I'm just going to swim out to shore. And everyone's like, dude, there's no, you're not going to get away from here. Like you're, you're going to this Island. Um, and it's funny, like there's no other, in a lot of stories, they would lie to you and be like, yeah, there's another boat coming, you know? And you're thinking, right, because this story's so old, you're thinking it's going to – I was confused. I'm not confused, but I was uh, expecting something. I thought I knew how this book was going to go. I thought, he, oh, they're going to use him as a human experiment. This was all set up. It was a conspiracy. They sought him out on the water. They were looking for a helpless man to do their experiments on because they're experimenting on humans. Completely wrong. Completely wrong. Um, he sees all the the crazy animal hybrids. Um, hasn't really seen a human besides Montgomery yet and the captain. Um, and Moreau's nowhere to be seen yet, but he's, he's being spoken of. Uh, so all the cargo's being unloaded and there's this great scene of, of the cargo being unloaded, all the animals by like these other animal like people. And he's just like, Prendix, like, I, I don't know, man, like this is, this is fucked up. And it's just, you really, you really sense like, uh, there's no way out of here kind of kind of situation with it don't you think yeah for sure i think that um at some point he asks montgomery if he can go with him and montgomery's just like no i don't think uh we don't really have space for you so yeah because actually yeah it's true because he's like now you're like you can't even come on the island dude like montgomery he's like i don't know what you're gonna do but then the the boat the the captain on the boat's like absolutely not coming with me so it's kind of like well do i just die then and they're kind of like maybe i mean like do i have to spell it out like can you just kill yourself dude or something because uh um yeah and uh i i love that scene i don't have it bookmarked but um i remember like at the time i think i think they have a conversation when they're on the boat before they uh hit the island with montgomery and prendick where he's like prendick's like such a like naive human uh where he's like dude, thank you so much for saving me. And he's like, I felt nothing. Montgomery's like, I felt absolutely nothing saving you. He's like, it would, it just, it would have been just like an animal. It would have been just like any random thing that I don't care about. Like, he was yeah. like, it was just by chance. There was nothing in my heart that told me to save you, mm-hmm. which I thought was crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that kind of mm-hmm. attitude is Montgomery's whole character. I know we're jumping ahead a little bit. But- Love Montgomery. Love his character. I mean, his character is so such a cool foil between Moreau. He's just like this bridge between the two foils of Moreau and uh, and Prendick, which is is it's he's kind of like an in between character mm-hmm. there. So um, they're having they have a, a meal, right? So there, there's all these rabbits, and they're bringing these rabbits. So like, hey, we need some meat on the island, you know? And they set all these rabbits free. Uh, 
Maling is serving this god awful, disgusting meal. Um, all the food is so gross. It's so funny. Like it's just, it's just like really, really gross. All, everything is revolting and and feverish, and just it, it gives you that feeling of just like you're coming down with like a nasty sickness uh, at, at, while you're reading it. And uh, there's the, the first one of the first real disturbing scenes is just the puma screaming at the dinner. And it's just screaming. And it's like, I don't know if you guys have ever been to like a zoo where there's like a lion or something. And then there's a lion that roars. You just, you're not ready for how loud that is. Like an like it's louder than any human could ever, could ever like, it's louder than like a choir of humans with like microphones. It's like insane. It's, it's uh, so like a puma, obviously not quite the same thing, but it's just that, that scream. And nobody seems to like really care except for Prendix. And he's just kind of like, Hey, is that like normal? Like, is that a real thing that's happening here? Eh, whatever. No big deal. So they give Prendick a room and he's sequestered off. They're kind of like, dude, we don't know what to do with this guy. Everybody loves to remind Prendick like, Hey, you're not supposed to be here. You're kind of fucking us up, dude. Like your, your whole thing is like, like you're lucky that you're even allowed here. So like, don't do anything stupid. Um, but curiosity killed the cat he goes in and uh, he keeps hearing these screams, these screams, and he goes in and, th- and looks at what he thinks is a human being tortured uh, inside, a, inside a room that he's not really supposed to go to. But Montgomery f- forgot to lock the door in between. Sees that, uh, but he, it's all so fast and he runs away. Um, what's being done is called a, is, is it vivisection? Is that what, what you would Yeah, vivisection. Vivisection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vivisection. Um, and which, if you don't know what that is, when you dissect a frog, it's usually dead. This is basically seeing what's on the inside of something while it's still alive. Uh, very, very unethical. Uh, not exactly what should be done. Uh, and, uh, definitely, I don't think it's outlawed, but it's frowned upon in the scientific community now. Uh, despite some of the problems I have with, uh, modern science, uh, they, don't love to do live dissections of things <laughs> so um but at the time you the reader and are as confused as prendick um there's some uh, books you'll read where you're you you are informed however the protagonist or the narrator narrator is not um you're as confused as he is and what i found super interesting about it was just the fact that uh you you think right then and there he saw something that he shouldn't have seen and now they're gonna go kill him but that's not exactly what happens, you know, like it's the it's it's like you're waiting for that terror of like he he runs away on his own, you know, mm-hmm. like he's like none of it. Nobody's chasing him like once he runs away right away, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the I think that it definitely uh, the narrative zigs on you because I think you and I both expected this to turn into like most dangerous game or something Absolutely. where now they have to. You're next, buddy. You're next, pal. You know, like drink this and fucking wake up in two hours with a knife in your like. That's like that's what we all thought, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. He's gonna wake up half walrus or something. But no, they just tusk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I thought. I literally thought that I was like, I thought I was so smart that I was like, dude, I bet you Kevin Smith fucking took tusk from this this thing. You just listened to a preview of one of our premium episodes. And to get access to the full thing, you've got to be a paid subscriber to the Rare Candy Substack. That's rarecandy.substack.com. It's only $5 a month or $55 for the whole year. You get one month free if you do the whole year. You get access to premium Rare Candy episodes, my podcast, The Glenn Word, 
and whatever the hell else we want to charge people for. Uh, again, that's rarecandy.substack.com. Thanks again.